In our Advent season series so far, Dale and Emily have spoken about God's peace, God's shalom, which is both personal and communal, and that includes healthy relationships with self, God, and other people. Peace is Christ's gift to us that we are called to share with others by resolving conflict and restoring harmony. Now, today's message is about missed opportunities to receive God's peace, God's shalom. In our first reading from the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah warns about the coming destruction of the entire nation of Judah, including Jerusalem and its temple, due to the people's disobedience and refusal to live according to God's grace-filled covenant. Though they take God's peace for granted, they have actually squandered their opportunity to experience God's gift of peace. In our second reading from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus speaks to his Jewish contemporaries, warning them that because of rejecting him, God's judgment looms. They have also missed their opportunity to experience God's peace. So let's hear both passages as Christopher Huber reads for us. As you listen, ask yourself, what is the proper response to each of these two warnings? From Jeremiah 8, 8 through 12 and 15. How can you say we are wise and that the law of the Lord is with us, when in fact the false pen of the scribes has made it into a lie? The wise shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken, since they have rejected the word of the Lord. What wisdom is in them? Therefore, I will give their wives to others, and their fields to conquerors, because from the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have treated the wound of my people carelessly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. They acted shamefully, they committed abomination, yet they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time when I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. We look for peace, but find no good for a time of healing. But there is terror instead. And now from Luke 19:38 to 44. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. The Word of the Lord. In our first reading, Jeremiah critiques the scribes, the experts in God's law, those responsible for both copying and interpreting the Word of God. And though the scribes boast, we are wise, 
and the law of the Lord is with us. The opposite is true. They are unwise, because as the blessed recipients of the law of God, they have blatantly violated it. They take God's steadfast love for granted without serious concern about their call to obey and serve God. Jeremiah also rebukes other religious leaders, the prophets and priests, who, like the scribes, are acting in their own self-interest rather than the interests of the people and being faithful to God. He warns of conquerors in verse 10 because God is about to judge and destroy the nation and its leaders with its temple. Verse 11 accuses these religious leaders of blatant lies. They have deceived the people by announcing that all is well when that assertion denies reality. They made claims of peace and prosperity and failed to acknowledge the sickness of sin with which they are infected. As if all were well, they proclaim peace, peace, when there is no peace. They assure the people they are secure in their relationship with God as God's chosen people in spite of rejecting God's law and their status as adopted covenant daughters and sons. In verse 15, Jeremiah warns, We look for peace, but find no good, for a time of healing, but there is terror instead. American Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann writes, This people is so stupid that it accepts the cover-up offered by the leadership. They cannot see the gap between the claims of the establishment and the reality of its life. Finally, in verse 12, the prophet also indicts the people for a loss of shame. They no longer have the ability to blush, to feel shame. This means there is no outside reference point to which one must answer or, or by whom one is measured, not even God. Friends, faithful people blush because we see the clear difference between the will of God and our conduct. So the people of the kingdom of Judah squandered their opportunity to experience God's peace, God's shalom. What was required of them in order to experience God's peace? An honest acknowledgement of their sinful failings and a willingness to repent, to change direction in their lives, to move toward the will of God and away from sin, something they were not willing to do. That reminds me of the little boy at Christmas time who had not been well-behaved during the previous year, but asked his mother anyway for a new red bike for Christmas. Hoping to get her son to repent, she told him to go to his room and write a letter to Jesus explaining why Jesus should give him a new bike. So Johnny went upstairs and thought, well, Jesus knows everything, so I can't lie. So he wrote, Dear Jesus, I've been a bad boy this year, but if you give me a new red bike this Christmas, I promise to be good from now on. Signed, Johnny. But then he began to doubt God would forgive him. So he came up with a new plan. He snuck out of the house, went down the street to the church his family attended, and entered the narthex. The church had a, a miniature nativity scene on display. So Johnny grabbed the small figure of the Virgin Mary and quickly left. He brought the figure with him and up to his bedroom and began to write, Dear Jesus, I've got your mom. If you ever want to see her again, you'll make sure I get a new red bike. Signed, you know who. <laughs> Not exactly the repentance for which his mom was hoping. Well, in our New Testament reading from Luke chapter 19, we heard about Jesus' Palm Sunday journey 
down the Mount of Olives toward Jerusalem with the holy city in full view. And in spite of his followers cheering him on and spreading their cloaks on the ground to give Jesus a red carpet welcome as Messianic King, Jesus pauses to lament and weep over Jerusalem. Like Jeremiah before him, Jesus expresses genuine sorrow and sympathy for the destruction that must come on his own Hebrew people. Jesus told those on the Mount of Olives, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. The sin of the Jewish people, especially of their leaders, has kept them from having eyes to see God's offer of peace delivered by Jesus, God's unique son and surrogate. Now, some of those same Jews, about 35 years later, will join in an armed revolt against Rome with catastrophic results. Many will participate in that uprising, believing they are doing God's work, God's will, and making way for God's kingdom to come, when in actuality, by killing Jesus, they have executed God's messianic king, the bearer of God's kingdom. In chapter 12 of his gospel, Matthew implies that Jesus is himself the very presence of God's kingdom among the people when he quotes Jesus as saying something greater than the temple and later something greater than the prophet Jonah and still later something greater than King Solomon is here. What is that greater reality? It's Jesus who bears and inaugurates God's kingly reign in a powerful new way. However, the final consummation of God's reign as king must wait till the end of time when Jesus returns as the triumphant son of man. In Jesus' lament, he goes on to describe what in future will happen to Jerusalem in some detail, the siege and the utter destruction of the holy city, which is precisely what took place in the year 70. This will all happen, Jesus says, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God, a reference to his own ministry. As God's ambassador, which is... uh, Jesus is really God's gracious presence in the midst of the covenant people. So the prime cause of this disaster was a moral and spiritual failure by the Jewish people as they were unable to recognize the new and powerful inbreaking of God's kingly reign in and through the person of Jesus. And yet that visitation went unnoticed. That opportunity was squandered when they failed to, quote, recognize the things that make for peace. This visitation of the chosen people by Jesus, God's messianic son, was designed to be an occasion of grace and mercy for those willing to repent. The problem is that at least among the Jewish leaders, there was little such repentance. Instead of welcoming Jesus, the Jewish leaders rejected God's mercy and chose instead the road leading to destruction and disaster. So in both these texts, receiving and experiencing the peace of God would have required repentance something neither Jeremiah's contemporaries nor those of Jesus were ready to do. While repentance is needed, certainly at the beginning of our faith journey, as we come to initial faith in Christ as Savior and Lord, these passages are telling us it's also needed periodically as a mid-course correction in our lives, in our faith journey. A scary aspect of both these passages is that Jeremiah and Jesus are speaking not to unbelievers, in theory, but to people of faith. They've adopted an attitude, though, of entitlement and complacency. They identify themselves as children of God and take God's love for granted. 
They failed to realize as God's chosen that they were not chosen only for salvation, but for service as well. In Jeremiah's time, the people were blind to their sin, and during Jesus' time, many were blind to what God was doing in their midst through his own person. Instead of following Jesus, many opposed him, some even calling for his death. So friends, how do we need to repent as people of faith so that we might know the things that make for peace? How might we be missing opportunities to experience God's peace? How has this pandemic revealed the shallowness of our faith and our need to change direction so that we might experience the peace only God can give? And if you've never come to faith in Christ, why not make that commitment today? You simply need to say yes to Jesus and begin your journey of loving and serving the one who Paul calls our peace. One final question. Do today's scripture lessons mean that God has written off the Jewish people? Definitely not. In his letter to the church at Rome, the Apostle Paul assures us that God has not given up on the chosen people. The rejection of Jesus by the Jewish religious leaders means that the Holy Spirit directed the early Christians to reach out to Gentiles as well as Jews so that all might hear and all might respond to the gospel of peace. In the meantime, the triune God has given the church the mission to bear witness to the grace, mercy, and peace offered us and all humankind through the Prince of Peace, Christ, our Messianic King. Let us be about that mission this Advent season as we speak with friends, neighbors, and family members about the true meaning of this season. And may the peace of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all as we do. God bless you. Amen.